You've likely seen all of the cargo ships waiting to unload off the port of LA, but have you wondered what life is like on board one of those ships? Hello again, Blythe Bramley with DigitalDispatch.io and host of Cyberly on FreightWaves, here to bring you another great interview, this time with Merchant Mariner Gabby Salazar. Gabby has amassed thousands and thousands of followers on TikTok simply by showing what her life has been like since becoming a Merchant Mariner on board ships like Maersk. In our interview, she tells us all the little things that are done before, during, and after a ship has been unloaded, were some of the most beautiful ports she's ever visited, and that time her boss made her walk the plank. It's a really fun conversation and a different look on a different side of the supply chain global crisis. So I hope you guys enjoy this sort of in-depth look into what life is like being a merchant mariner. Hope y'all enjoy. and bring in Gabby Salazar. She is a merchant mariner of the Merchant Marines, and she's been somebody that I've been dying to talk to for a while now to learn about life out on those cargo ships. So let's go ahead and bring her in. Welcome in, Gabby. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for coming on the show. So uh, my, my first question is, why did you choose this, this career as a merchant mariner? Uh, do, do you remember what initially sparked your interest? Um, I grew up in the transportation kind of industry a little bit. My dad flew planes for FedEx. He was an airline captain. So I always had this love for travel and I knew I wanted to travel the world. And um, I got recruited to the Merchant Marine Academy for sports. So when that opportunity fell in my lap, I just couldn't say no. Now, when you say you got recruited for sports, uh, you were going to play sports for them or maybe at the, the, the Merchant Mariner school? Like, how does that, that, how does that, I guess that process work? Um, it's a D3 school, so they just sent me an email saying that they were interested in me coming out and uh, touring the school, and I played basketball there for four years, and um, it was it was great, and I loved it, so... That's awesome. I wouldn't, I, I would have just thought that maybe like a merchant mariner program would just be all about being a merchant mariner instead of like a traditional college. Is that, are you, are you taking, I guess, like traditional classes at, you know, a merchant mariner school or are you, is it just uh, like a regular college? Well, the Merchant Marine Academy is actually one of the five federal service academies in the United States um, next to the Coast Guard Academy, Air Force Academy, Naval Academy and West Point. Um, so it is not like a regular school. Um, we get a bachelor's of science either in marine engineering or marine transportation. Obviously mine is in marine transportation. So you spend a year at sea and then you spend three years at school, um, in order to sit for your either third mate's license or third assistant engineer's license at the end of the four years. And so when you're done with the, the, the schooling part of it, you, you, I also saw one of your TikToks that you mentioned that when you become a merchant marine, you also have to enlist in any military branch of your choice. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Are, are you committed to a certain amount of training hours or, or other obligations? Um, yeah. So since the Merchant Marine Academy is a federal service academy, you do owe back time to the government since they picked up the tab for your schooling. There's no tuition. Um, so you can either choose to go active duty into any branch as an officer um, or like me, I sail. So we we are in the Navy Reserves as strategic sea lift officers is the official title um, of it. And I owe eight years in that, five years of active sailing and six years holding a valid license. 
Now, at, at your your official job title is is second mate, right? Um, so, what are your I guess like daily is is there a typical job day, or do you have like daily or weekly responsibilities that you have to take care of um, out at sea versus back home? Are you kind of just free to do whatever you want back home, and the, and more of the the typical day is out out you know on the cargo ship? Right. Um, I, I do whatever I want at home. I usually travel when I'm when I'm home on vacation, but I only work about six, six months out of the year um, on this ship as a second mate. I'm in charge of the navigation of the vessel. Um, I plan. I do the passage plans, the voyage plans. Um, I keep the charts up to date, the publications up to date, as well as stand eight hours of watch every day, whether it's a navigational watch at sea or it's a cargo watch in port. What goes into, I guess, like planning a passage? Like what what kind of things are you looking for? Is it more like weather reports or um, I, I guess like water conditions? It, it give us a little bit of breakdown of, of how you actually plan a passage. Um, so it's, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, I'm checking mostly waypoints. I'm checking to see if there's any dangers to point A to point B, basically one port to another. Um, I'm making sure that all the charts are up to date for that week. They get updated weekly, um, making sure there's no dangers basically, um, from point A to point B, ensuring the safe navigation of the vessel. And, and so in one of your TikToks, you were talking about performing a safety check, uh, for every single container on board, uh, but one was accidentally missed and you said your chief made you walk the plank. What does that mean? Because I imagine like a movie version of that, but I imagine they're probably not doing that in real life. Yeah, it's just a phrase that I used. Um, He just like wasn't like happy about it. Um, (laughs) You know, lashing containers is really important uh, and being secure for sea. That was kind of what the problem was, was the longshoremen Hmm. um, in the United Arab Emirates left all of our lashing gear kind of just like sitting on the deck. And that's, that's a big no, no uh, before you Hmm. leave the port to go out to sea, you got to make sure everything is secure. So it it had to be done all last minute, but it was a good learning experience and uh, never did it again. So, so you never actually had to walk a plank in a traditional sense of like walking out on an actual plank and like diving into the water (laughs) or something with your hands tied. No, Um, no. What kind of traveling do you get to do while you're, because you said you're out at sea for, for about six months at a time. Uh, do you get to, from port to port, do you get to actually explore the city of the, of the port that you're in? Or is it, you know, kind of dependent on, you know, how long it's going to take, you know, for, for the ship to unload or, or get loaded up? Right. Um, you do get to leave sometimes. You spend about eight hours uh, doing cargo in port. I got to go to Spain uh, this last trip. We were restricted to ship for a really long time because of COVID. Mm. Um, so mm. when we were finally able to go out, it was really nice. I got to go see the Rock of Gibraltar um, on my off time. And my captain actually gave me some more hours off. And we kind of shifted some hours so that I could go do that. It was really nice. It was beautiful. That's awesome. I, I imagine that you get to see a, a lot of gorgeous places. Do you have ports that you go to regularly and you get to kind of feel like uh feel like a regular there or is every new mm-hmm. place kind of a new place for you? Um, I go to all different places from the far East to the middle East to Europe. Um, I've been all over and every place. I mean, I've, I've loved and I've loved learning their culture and the environment and, I just don't think that I could pick one singular place that I love the most. Probably Northern Spain, actually. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did look we just showed one of your TikToks and it did look pretty gorgeous there, I have to say. Um now now with supply chain and obviously it went a little mainstream earlier this year when the Ever Given was stuck in the in the Suez Canal. I saw that you actually went through the Suez Canal. Were, were you affected by this delay at all or or was that something where it, it was just kind of like a industry hot topic? No, we were definitely affected. Every vessel, honestly, was affected um, in their port time. This, I wasn't on the ship when it got stuck in the Suez Canal, but when the ship came back to the United States, it ended up um, being late to a lot of the ports. So what happened was we actually skipped the entire port of New York um, and headed over the Atlantic Ocean back to Spain and back to all the ports that we had to get to because um, we just didn't have time. We were so off schedule. Oh, wow. So you were maybe one of the ones that were waiting and then y'all just would just to just go the opposite way and to, in order to guarantee, I guess, the freight that it was going to arrive on time. Yeah, that was a month later, though, after it got stopped. Oh. So that's that's how much it affected not only us, but I know a lot of other ships that are affected. Um, the Mare Stenver was right behind the Ever Given when it got stuck. So um, it affected a lot of cargo and a lot of ports around the world. Oh, wow. So so what do you think went wrong in, in that situation? So you're in charge of, of planning passages. So what do you think went wrong with that one? Was it operator error or, or maybe it's too soon to tell as far as, as, as that specific situation? Um, so there was actually a lot of a lot of errors, um, mostly a blockchain, actually, of errors in that situation. Mm-hmm. There were about 40 knot winds that day. So that that'll definitely affect a vessel. Um the Ever Given is also, I believe, close to 400 meters. So it was very, it's a very, very large vessel. We were next to the Ever Glory before we went in. So I, I know how big it is. Um, they, so when they went in, they were overcorrecting uh, when they were steering to combat that, um, those winds. And what happened was um, when a ship of that size is in shallow water and it gets really close to those banks, it creates what's called bank cushion and bank suction where it'll pull Hmm. the bow in and push the stern. So that's technically what happens um, in that situation. And when that process starts happening, it's very, very hard to stop. You know, you can't just stop ships on a dime. Um, So that's what happened. Um, I know that that captain and the pilot, I don't think they even wanted to go into the Suez Canal because Mm -hmm. of the conditions, but six ships had already gone in and made it through the canal that day. So I'm sure that it was it was a hard decision to make and um, that they were probably pressured to go through. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a roll of the dice. But if you're expressing concerns ahead of time, maybe that that's a little bit to to cover their cover their butts in the long run. Hopefully, anyways, especially if they were you know expressing those concerns. Now, I, w- with my next question, I know this is anecdotal, but you know, after the Ever Given and and with your success that you've seen on TikTok already, have you noticed that your friends and family have started to care? You know, a little bit more about what you do. Maybe they're asking more questions, um, trying to get a gauge of like where you know, I guess. Sort of quote unquote regular people, how what their care level is when it comes to global logistics. Do you find that they're more interested or or sort of the same? Oh, absolutely. Um, my whole family, especially my father, is just so interested in this industry. I don't think they realize how big it is. Um, mm-hmm. As you know, you know, shipping takes up you know ninety percent of the goods that are shipped around the world is by ship, and. Um, they're just they're just so amazed at uh, what these ships can do and and how important they are to not only the United States economy but the world economy. 
And and so with obviously there there's you know it's speaking of this same trend of of everything that's going on with global shipping there's a lot of drama that's going out at at the port of Los Angeles right now mm-hmm. what is life like for or what do you think life is like for for those people that are still stuck out there waiting for waiting to be docked and waiting to be unloaded are, are they kind of you know going stir crazy or is it just you know the the name of the game when you join the industry what do you think life is like for them right now Um, As for the seafarers, I think that they know that it's kind of out of their control. Um, I know that there's a lot of ships sitting out at anchor over there. Um, There's ships also sitting out at anchor outside of Savannah, Georgia, Houston, Texas. I mean, this is happening at a lot of ports. Obviously, the Mm. port of L.A. is is different um, because the longshoremen there don't work 24 hours. So I think people are just kind of waiting for... um, to see where the cargo is going to go. I wouldn't be surprised if shipping companies just started skipping LA and and going to other ports and figuring it out that way. What do you think that more people knew about the job that you do? Um, honestly, just how important it is. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's an industry that's so big yet. Nobody knows about this industry and the career path that you can take. And I see that a lot on my TikTok. Um, people saying, I never knew that this was a choice, that this was a career choice. Um, you know, no one out of five federal service academies were probably the least known in the United States Merchant Marine Academy. Um, mm. But it's a it's an amazing career. Um, it's always going to be important. It's always going to be essential. Um, and, and yeah, I, I love it. What did you, when did you decide that you wanted to start documenting your career on, on TikTok? Because that's where I, I think it, you hit the nail on the head with a lot of people that are responding that they didn't even know that this was a career option. They didn't know that you could, you know, travel the world and essentially get paid to do it and have, you know, some downtime to explore different port cities. When did you decide that you were going to start documenting that part of your life? Um, my last ship that I was on, the mayor ship, I decided to just start start showing people what it was like. I didn't expect anyone to care, but to for, for everybody to see it and be so um, interested in it was really nice because to me and to other seafarers, it's just another day in the office. You know, our office just floats and is a thousand feet long. <laughs> um, so I was just really happy to see people engaging with it. And, and it makes me really happy to bring more awareness to the industry and especially to women in the industry. Um, we're such a small percentage And I see a lot of support and it just, it's the best. And I hope to keep spreading awareness and and keep teaching people about this, this vital industry. Let's talk a little bit about that with with women in the industry. I, I would imagine it's a small percentage, like, like you just said, of of mariners that are out on the water. What do you think are some of the the stop gaps of of what currently is keeping more women to join the maritime industry versus, or or maybe what the maritime industry could do more of to encourage more women to to become merchant mariners? Um, I think just in general, most people don't know that it is a career path. You know what I said before, um, it has always been more of a male dominated industry, um, dating back, you know, years and years and years. Um, but I know that my school has been trying to get more women into this in there and as well as the other maritime academies around the United States. So it really is just like what I'm doing, spreading more awareness that it is a career path. Um, and it accepts all walks of life, all people, 
but yeah, it's, um, it just needs to be talked about more, honestly, I think. And you're doing a great job of it, obviously, with your TikTok account. So what do you have? Uh, do you have plans in the future of, of how you're going to cover like your the, the next time that you're going out to see? Or do you have, you know, different plans of, oh, hey, I, I should probably talk about this. Or I should probably show this side of it. How are you planning your content for that side to bring more awareness to, to the industry? Or are you planning that that far in advance? I don't really plan it too far in advance, mostly because I go to different ships all the time. So um, Mm. it just depends on what ship I go to. Um, Sometimes I get on government vessels where I really can't talk too much about it. Um, Sometimes I get on container (laughs) ships, sometimes tankers, you know, so it just depends on the situation. And um, I mostly ask my followers what they want to see. And whatever they say is usually what I go with. If, If it's a day that I can do it and I can film it, Um, I was a little hesitant to do it on my last ship because I really didn't know how Maersk was going to respond, but it's all been good. And, and, um, I'm going to continue to teach people about the maritime industry and all the different ships out there and what they do. Yeah, I'm sure they're loving the extra PR because I mean, especially if nothing is going wrong, like on the ever given, but you're essentially giving them, you know, thousands and thousands, sometimes millions of views on their ship and on, on their products. So that, that's something that money really can't buy. So you're out here doing a hell of a job of it. Now, as far as your career, do you think that this is something you're going to stick with for a while or is this kind of, uh, maybe a career that you wanted to do some traveling afterwards. What does your, I guess, your career look like within uh, being a merchant mariner? Um, absolutely. I do want to stay in this career for a while. What's really nice about it is there's always room to move up. So I started as a third mate. Um, now I'm a second mate. So the next goal is to become a chief mate. And then after that captain, um, and then the ultimate goal, I want to become a harbor pilot. So um, there's always room to grow in this industry and move up. And I think that's, that's something to look forward to for me. Well, that's awesome. I, I appreciate your insight and, and perspective into this, because I think that this is something that, you know, obviously it's becoming more and more mainstream, especially when, you know, Christmas is coming up and people are going to be wondering where their goods are. It's folks like you that are helping to, to create those safe passages, passage plans in order for us to, to get the stuff that we need. All right, Gabby, where can, can folks follow more of your work um, and, 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 and learn more about you being a merchant mariner? Um, I'm on TikTok at Gabby Salazar 29 and that's G-A-B-B-Y. Um, Gabrielle Salazar on Facebook and Gabby Salazar on Instagram. All right. Well, I appreciate the, the, the chat so much. It, it was, it was awesome diving into a different perspective of, of life on, on different cargo ships. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the digital dispatch podcast. If you like what you heard, consider sharing it with a friend. Podcast discoverability is a bit of a challenge for creators like myself, so word of mouth goes a long way. You can check out past episodes of the show by hitting up the learn page on digitaldispatch.io. I also have some free courses on the site that cover content marketing, distribution, and even how to audit your own website. That's going to come in handy as everyone starts to prepare for those 2022 budgets. While you're there, you can also check out our socials, the DIY shop, or custom services. Until next time, I'm Blythe Brumleave and I will see you real soon.